Brought to you by Hug House Productions. Previously on Desperado, Shinji having woken up, Marcus could finally introduce us to the circus, and what a welcome it was. But the party was cut short by the arrival of a demon who had tracked down Samar all the way here. Not that it was much of a challenge for her. And now in the aftermath, this is Desperado. Under the clamor of the crowd, Samar approached the body of the beast. I could feel an electric anticipation build, the clapping and cheering decreased slightly, just waiting to explode even louder. I felt everyone's desire for a last display of nerves, for Samar to pick up the head of the demon and lift it up like a trophy. But instead she turned around and planted her swords in the ground, and the crowd got quiet. There is no joy in this, no pride or glory. This was a mercy. A couple of dancers groaned at her sermon, some of them drunk enough to roll their eyes. But Marcus quickly took control of the situation and told everyone to disperse. He seemed to consider checking on Samar, but ultimately decided against it. Paying him no mind, Samar kneeled by the creature's side and quietly she whispered. Forgive them, my friend. Youth is their only fault. Rest now. There is no pain in the grand quiet. I didn't get the chance to hear anything else because Marcus pulled us away and said he would show us to our new quarters. And as we had expressed a desire to stay together, he found us our own mobile home. Ensuite, individual beds, two pillows each, one for sleeping, one for emotional support, and the sheets. Oh, hella thread counts. They had all the threads. Yeah. I miss those beds. Marcus then gave us the rest of the day to do what we liked, and so we ate, we drank, we met some truly amazing folks, but um, the circus put us to work pretty quickly. The next day, Marcus summoned us back to his office and explained how his little um, mentorship program worked, as he liked to put it. He described himself as nothing more than a facilitator, in charge of finding us the right teacher, and while our training would be focused on sharpening us as weapons against the crusade we would still have to pay the circus back with an act well some of us had an act i mean marcus tried oh yeah i know, he did I know. try to find you a number but uh, yeah it's fine i know i got you know i got to help with yours at least i was happy with that yeah i got my own bone dagger throwing act towards the end of our stay because well bones you know but we'll get to that later yeah that's a whole fucking thing yeah still not yet. Back then, we were still in Marcus's office as he announced who our instructors would be. I was assigned to Leo without surprise. And me to a man called Malik, who I was yet to meet. As for me, Marcus said he had someone else in mind initially, but apparently Samar had requested to take on my teaching. After seeing her in action, I was pretty jealous of that, honestly. While Shinji already knew where to meet Leo, and Samar was waiting for Elio by the dining area, Marcus had to guide me through the gigantic tent of the circus to a closed-off area where a wrestling ring was installed, a place where the circus rehearsed its most daring acts. On the ring, a shirtless man in shorts was quietly stretching, earphones in. I was immediately sceptical. Marcus waved at him, and the man walked to the end of the ring. He and Marcus exchanged pleasantries for a second, and I took the time to observe 
Malik. Short, dark hair, a golden skin tanned by generations. And I don't know, he just didn't look that remarkable. Save for his body, sculpted by discipline, there wasn't much to him. And even then, I had seen more impressive muscles among the circus, so why him? A hand on my shoulder pulled me away from my thoughts. Marcus smiled, said goodbye, then wished me luck. Come on up, Talia. Grab some bands, some gloves. Let's see what you've got. Sure. Oh, do you need help with that? Nope. Can you really not tell? Okay. Why were you so aggro? Because he could definitely tell. Okay, I know what I look like. I know my body. I carry the power of an old god with me in my every move. He knew. And I know he knew. It was the way he said it. The look. So condescending. The kind of look I've had to prove myself against all my life. And then he just... Right. I'm going to stop you right there. I don't want to be here either. I completely blanked for a second. I wasn't expecting it. This is very much charity work I'm doing here. And only because I owe Marcus a favour. So the least you could do is be enthusiastic. I don't see much to be enthusiastic about. He paused, staring me down for a second, then said, He told me a lot about you. The chosen one of a shameless guard. Between you and me, your kind don't tend to last. I give you six months before you end up being killed by a witch, so it's just a waste of my time. You've never met anything that comes close to me, little man. Yeah, they all say that. <laughs> all right. I ditched the bands, put on my gloves, and jumped into the ring. What about a bet, little man? I don't. If you hit me... If you hit me just once, I'll be your best and most loyal student. I'll be at your service, drinking your every word without a single complaint or protest. But if you don't, well, let's just say I get to hit back. I saw fire ignite behind his dark eyes, a fury so sudden I was certain I had bullseyed onto his ego. But when that fire spread through his blood, Instead of melting the ice in his veins and clouding his judgment, it served to warm up a well-oiled machine. Malik exhaled deeply, and his entire body relaxed. His soul stretched from within and reacquainted itself with each of his muscles. He was present. A hundred percent. I had his undivided attention, and in a better state, I would have had the good sense to apologise. Because that kind of look you only get from a lover or a murderer. Just once, you say. I mean no offence. Of course, I just know what I'm about. Come on then, puppy. Let's see you bite. The grit of this little man. I laughed. Because honestly, that was the funniest fucking thing I've heard in weeks. And then I moved. I went from hilarity to unbridled violence in a split second, counting on surprise to make my point quick and clear. And let me preface this by saying, I was raised by a woman who taught me very early on that this world would reject me. That there was no point in moping and wishing it was different. That the best, the only thing I could do was learn how to defend myself. There was 12 years of mixed martial arts behind that punch. Shoulders in, guard up, 
and a perfect ankle twist to adjust my reach. All that and the strength of a god fueling my very essence. Nobody should have been able to dodge that. And yet, Maddox shifted, erasing his shoulder and letting my fist go by, by just an inch. And that doesn't mean I was any closer to hitting him. No, by moving no more than that, he showed me how far I really was. And then he broke my fucking nose. His punch threw me against the cords of the ring. And as I roared in pain, he calmly took off his gloves and wiped the blood off them. Looks like you're stuck with me. I jumped back at him. I could have completely shattered this little man, but he just vanished. There was no magic to it, no trick, just a movement so quick that I couldn't process it. Manic didn't hit back. He just stepped aside once more, embracing my momentum, made it his own, and threw me on the ground. I was sparring against fire, throwing myself at it, trying to kill it, because really, what is fire to a god? Just a spark, an ember to crush between my, his, fingers. I charged again, and again, in vain. Malik wasn't content with just putting me back in my place. He was humiliating me. What good is keeping your guard up against a flame? He would hit me wherever and whenever he wanted. But worse than that, he mostly didn't. I wasn't worthy of it. I wasn't even close to being a threat. And as I threw a last vicious hook at him, expecting him to step back, he stepped in. He entered my space, showing me how wide open my guard really was and threw me against the cords again. I felt a crack in my ribs and the, finally the pain anchored my soul. I stayed on the ground, sensing a shift within me, a clarity I couldn't quite understand. I winced as Malik threw me a towel. There we go. Nice to meet you, Talio. Finally. I sat up, trying to pull my thoughts from between the waves of pain and that strange feeling of nothing. A void. Something was missing. Look at me. He kneeled down and grabbed my chin. Yeah, he's gone. How did you know? Gods are proud creatures. Easy to provoke. But that wasn't... He's too weak. He can't possess me. We made a deal. Aww. He got you to make a pinky promise as well. Tell me, puppy. What do you think happens every time you use his powers? Every time you put all your faith in him? Yeah, that look. Is it clicking? He gets stronger. Gods are old, Talia. And if you were born hundreds of years ago, you'd think the same way. You'd make a deal with a 20-year-old, tell her whatever she wants to hear, and slowly take control. I bet it's not even the first time this happens, right? I thought of our escape on the beach of Mexico, of how I was certain I could have taken the crusader on my own, and almost killed both Elio and I. If position was obvious, it wouldn't be much of a threat. But there was... there was no presence. It was my own feelings. Yes heightened, played with and mixed with his, until you can't remember the difference. How did you chase him? I didn't do anything. I just beat your ass. Pain is what reminds us we're just human. He's good, isn't he? Who? Marcus. Yeah. Shall we carry on then, puppy? Yeah, don't call me that. You'll have to make me. 
I groaned, but took his hand as he helped me up. And thus begun my training. Damn, that was your first lesson. I feel like Shinji and I had a much more pleasant time. Oh, yeah. My first lesson with Leo was just the best. We got to practice on the central stage of the circus, and with the high ceilings and, and trapezes dangling over us. And he told me, well, he basically started with a disclaimer that, that well, he can teach me all he knows about flying. I had to remember we're not the same. Different beliefs, different wings, so not everything would apply. But to remember, most importantly, that there's no feeling, only adjusting. But he added that one thing was universal, that the more you practice, the stronger your wings get. The stronger they get, the more they can lift, and, well, the more they can lift... <sighs> I mean, I had no idea what he was getting at. It was only when he tapped on his own biceps that the reality hit me. Leo was much broader than me, slender, but still toned. So if we had the same condition, how could he put on muscles? His smile widened as he saw the truth dawn on me. My bones could improve. I, I would always be more fragile than other people, but at least I wouldn't have to worry about handshakes anymore. Leo said it would take time, sure, and it would have to be every day for weeks, months, maybe years. But it's so worth it. Weirdly enough, though, my, my first lesson wasn't on flying. No, in, instead, Leo pointed to this, this cardboard cutout of a man, and he... Well, he told me to, to try and hit the center. I, I just didn't say anything. I assumed I looked like the peak of confusion because I had just brought my wings in closer and reached out with a hand. It was the first time, and I mean the first fucking time in my life that I thought of checking if they were, well, you know, solid. No. Wait, you, you had them for like, what? All my life, basically. What? And you never, ever touched them. Never. That is wild. Well, okay, one, it's not like I was just showing them off all the time. Two, I was pretty terrified of them most of my life. And three, I... I don't know, man. I... They seemed like they were made of light. Or they were in my back. I could never really reach them. I just never thought about it. <clears throat> okay. I genuinely can't believe that. Which is basically what Leo said. After the whole, oh my god, you've never tried this before thing, we got back to practice. Leo took a few steps back, and I looked at the target. Something just clicked. All I had to do was... And my wings sprung forward and hit the target dead center. For me, it, it felt obvious. The skeletal spikes tore the target in half, then retracted, in and out, easy. But Leo almost jumped out in surprise, and I, I instantly cowered a little bit, convinced that I had, that I had done something wrong, but no. Said Leo applauded me. He said that my stance was perfect. Knees bent, shoulders low, crouched slightly to extend my reach. Details, really. But details that had to be taught. Details I shouldn't have known about. And from an outside perspective, what Leo had just seen was kind of terrifying. Bare wings, tearing something apart in a split second. 
I, I did see a, a slight worry in Leo's eyes. Not quite suspicion, nor fear, but I'm not going to lie, it's not a look you want to see when you desperately want someone to like you. So that shook me out of it a little bit, but it didn't turn out to be anything. But I still remember it. I guess after a, a lifetime of rejections, those little things tend to sting. But but Leo, uh, Leo was great. All he asked me was, where did I learn? And from within, the spirit whispered a, a single truth, that I was made for that. But if I had a, a clear talent for tearing things apart, Leo's flight abilities were far superior to mine. For hours and hours, he would make me perform the most complicated routine, series of aerial gymnastics that would often leave me with bruises all over my back, especially where my wings emerged from my body. One of his favorite exercises was to make me jump from the trapeze and only deploy my wings at the last second. Most of the time, I'd have to dive head first. <laughs> Leo was demanding, sometimes beyond reason, but... Broken bones and bruises were price to pay for survival. Uh, I don't remember you breaking something at no I meant, you know, generally speaking. It was intense, but I did sprain my ankle once. Okay. How did it happen? I fell. Alright, as for me, my training began with a conversation. Samar was simply having lunch amongst the circus and invited me to her table. I sat down and instantly just asked, Why me? Are you asking this existentially, or, uh... <laughs> no, I just don't see what a gardener would have to teach me. Patience, for one, and a better appreciation for the little things in life. Do you want some fries? Sure. I have a few questions for you, actually, before I decide whether or not I can take you as a student. Shoot. Where did you spend the summer in 1847? <laughs> um, okay. I, don't think about it. Yeah, but it's not... I, I said don't think. The memories are not yours, so you can't rake your brain about it. Let them come. Eighteen forty-seven. Yep. I died. How? In a battle between Mexico and the former United States. I held the entrance of an escape tunnel on my own against the US forces. I made my last stand to save my squadron, but eventually the blood shield collapsed and I was, I was shot dead. What was your name? Jose Joaquin Morena. What about 1432? In 1432, I was legion. King Motecosuma reigned and extended our empire across Central America and my place was within the very bones of my people. I was the guide to their final rest. I was a witness to their entire lives. I was king and commoner. I was every mother, soldier, and lover. Your name? Miktekasiwata. The Lady of the Dead. And now? My name is Ivelio Lores. Last survivor of Azcatla. And the first in almost a century to resurrect a god. What about you? I am Samar Ben Hakim. Daughter of Amina and Karim, granddaughter of Maryam and Salah, the youngest descendant of one of the oldest people in history, and I carry them all with me. You... we... we're the same. Almost. 
My only gods are my ancestors. My people have access to the wisdom and knowledge of all the ones before us. And remember you, Elio. In 1432, my family met your king. Your people crossed the sea in 1432. Oh, way earlier than that. With the knowledge we have, we could always go wherever we pleased. Africa's just different, and you're the only one I've met who could even begin to understand. The others are just all too young. Your ancestor, he... he was an archer. Yeah. And that, that, that there was four of you, right? Four. The greatest warriors we had ever seen. Well, to be fair, you hadn't seen much. You killed some of us. Self-defense. Your people were not the most peaceful at the time, so... Are you gonna hold a grudge from centuries ago? I... I, I, I guess not. This Good. is... Now, tell me why I told everyone off yesterday when they cheered for me. No, don't think. It's not their fault. The demon is just a living being transfigured by our own fears. They're in pain. They seek someone to kill them. Exactly. It's nothing to cheer about. Now, help me carry that. She got up, downed her glass of water, then pointed to the three huge sports bags next to her. I grabbed two as she put the third on her back and walked me to the field that bordered the circus, where she had fought the demon only yesterday. There was nothing left of the beast, not even a drop of blood, only the marks of their battle, soon to be reclaimed by nature. Samar told me to put the bags down and then guided me through a series of stretches and warm-ups. The whole time I stayed staring at the bags until finally she laid their content out. And it was a lot. A long sword, a katana, a bow and quiver, two short axes, and even a spear separated in three pieces she quickly assembled. I couldn't have but noticed there were no firearms, so I asked why. In the battles that really matter, guns are mostly useless. Witches have charms against them, crusaders are protected by faith, which works a lot like Marcus's power, and I don't know a single spirit that can't protect themselves from bullets, one way or another. Huh. I don't know about Shinji, but I do have a shield, and Talia once said she thinks she might be bulletproof, but... And just bulletproof, like, she can still get paper cuts, but one day apparently a bullet ricocheted off her arm, so... She's been wondering. Did you not test it? No, I've yet to shoot Talia. I always thought it would be a bit rude. <sighs> Alright, grab the sword. And I obliged. I reached for the weapon next to me, and as soon as I had it in my hand, the sensation overtook me. I had done this before, thousands of times before. Samar winked. Must have made a face or something and we stepped aside from the bags. She took out her blades and stood. Whenever you're ready. Isn't This is literally my first lesson. I, I'm not really... You won't get hurt. Trust me. What if I hurt you? <laughs> I mean... Still, I, I couldn't just... I, I, I just didn't dare. So Samar just let out a deep sigh, and she moved. She bridged the gap between us in two steps, and suddenly her blades were coming for me. They stopped an inch away from my neck. Don't think. I shuddered. And Samar stepped back. Don't think, she said. Don't think, just, just be. You've held that sword before. 
You know its weight, its reach, and the song it sings as you dance with it. You know its promises and its lies. You know you feel powerful when you hold it, but really, it's just a block of steel. You're the one who dance. You're the writer of its song. You, you're the weapon. So when Samara comes at you again, you tilt your head and listen a little closer. You start to perceive a hint of the tempo she dances to. You let it find you, let it guide you, and suddenly your sword clashes against hers. You are centuries old, and so is she. And you are so, so glad you're not alone. So happy you have someone to dance with that you can't help but smile and laugh. You're, you're home. Finally. And for the next couple of weeks, this became our every day at Nova. We were taught to fend for ourselves. Our teachers were hard, straight up cruel. But it was all... I don't know if it was worth it, but it was necessary. I got a six-pack out of it. Definitely worth it. Eh, I already had one. Alright, yeah, we get it. We had an abs routine. <laughs> now, most importantly, we became part of the troop. We helped cook, clean, and repair every broken thing. Sewing costumes. Mixing drinks. We spent three months with the circus. Three months of training and learning and dancing and finally having people to talk to about those nightmares you keep having. Having people you can forget all that with. Even if it's just for a second. For a laugh as we watch the sun go down. You know, I was happy. Happier. And it all went down in flames. When the circus had to move for their next show. To London. 